Welcome to episode one of How I Met My Mom. Today we want to give you a little background on ourselves and start at the beginning. So starting at the beginning, I grew up in Illinois in a little farming town and then moved to Colorado in 1970 to another really little town outside the Denver metro area. And I'm the third of four children. I had a pretty average upbringing. My dad was a plumber. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, My family was very Catholic. I went to Catholic school from third grade to eighth grade, where at that point you went to public school, and that was a shocker. Um, yeah, so it was it was pretty average. So that was a little bit about Relly's upbringing. Um, my first mother, and here's a little bit about myself. So I was born February second, nineteen eighty two, and I was adopted uh, probably a couple weeks right after. Um, my Parents had already adopted my brother, who's two two years older than me. And then after I was adopted, they adopted another son two years after, basically. Um, So I grew up in a military family, kind of moving across uh, America every couple years. And um, I ended up having three brothers total because when I was 10, my mom was able to actually finally get pregnant. So... I have an adoptive brother, two years older, one two years younger, and then a uh, my parents' biological son um, was born 10 years later. So I grew up, like I said, all across America, um, Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Virginia, Utah, Alaska, Arizona, everywhere, pretty much. Um, it was a really, I would say, fun and unique um experience growing up I would say a pretty idyllic childhood um always getting to see different sites across America and learning everything about history my dad was really big on that so it was I don't know I guess I would just say it was a great upbringing so that's a little bit about us each individually um and then I guess we should get to the point of the matter so you were 18 years old. 18. And then how did you find out you were pregnant? I found out I was pregnant, oh, probably two months along. You know, you'd have to miss a couple periods. I had already broken up with the man that was the, I I can't even say man because it was a boy. It was a boy child. Let's face it. He was 17 years old. I was 18. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So there was that. So I found out I was pregnant, ironically, in Boulder, Colorado, which is like the most progressive city in Denver, or the the state of Colorado. And I already knew what I was going to do. An abortion was out of the question for me. It was just something I was not raised with. I don't know, just very personal. Like, and it's it's very weird because I consider myself a pro-choice person. This was just my choice. 
Okay, so you were 18 at the time. Um, what was your life like? What were you doing? Were you studying? Were you working? I lived at home with my parents. I had a job in a neighboring town that I took a bus to. I was a shampoo girl. I wasn't even a hairstylist yet. <laughs> so, um, again, a lot of lack of resources there. Um, just young, young girl. Just young and dumb. So what was your parents' reaction? So I had a really hard time telling that my older sister, Kathy, actually did it for me because... <laughs> the cop I, Yeah, yeah, because... <laughs> That's scary. That. Yeah, it was scary. But I remember getting in this truck with my mom and dad and driving around because I don't think we could even have a conversation in the house. Oh, because they didn't want anybody else to hear? I, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember that part. Just remember driving around and and my dad, you know, like, he wanted me to have an abortion. Uh-huh. Like, he's like, let's, you know, Dr. So-and-so can fix this. Right. And my mom was like, no, you know, you can't do that. And that was already in my mind as well. So that wasn't. Yeah. Your option. I thought it was interesting. So. How people's minds change when it's in their own family. It's. Right. So you're growing up Catholic where you, quote unquote, don't believe in. Abortion. Abortion. But but then when it comes to. When push comes to shove, everybody's daughter is a little different. (laughs) <laughs> that's true i guess no I, I think that's like human nature right yeah. it's the dichotomy of religion and i don't know what people actually end up doing in their lives um so you had the conversation in the car your sister t- did you ask her to tell him yeah i don't know how I, <laughs> she was the first person that i told about it and she didn't understand why I was going to Boulder and she thought it was some other kind of doctor. And I'm like going, no, I'm pregnant. And it was like a big shock to her, of course, too, you know, and like, what are you going to do about this? And, uh, so then that became the choice. Of course, I couldn't live with my mom and dad because, you know, what are the neighbors going to think about that? Right. So I went to a home for unwed mothers in San Antonio, Texas. So random. Uh, yeah, extremely random. I don't know how I ended up there, actually, because this was like 1981, and we didn't have the internet back there, and how I knew to go to this place, it was probably the seed was planted at this place in Boulder called Birthright. Hmm. So they gave you the resources that I, you I, can go... I believe that's how I found out how to go there. That's so crazy, that's because that's so Because they didn't away. have places like that. They had places like that in Denver, like a place called Florence Crittenton, mm. I believe. But they had closed by then because it was just becoming the end of the era where, you know, you could actually keep your kid. It wasn't something that derailed your whole life and your society's pariah forever and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you somehow get down to San Antonio, right? And you're, how how pregnant were you when you arrived there? So I arrived there like at the end of September, I believe. So that would have been like May, I think it was like four months or so. I was start, four or five months starting, to show, starting yeah. to show. Yeah. So you get down there, you, I mean like, so what is it like in the like mother's home? Like, do you share it, a room with somebody? Are you? I had my own room, I think. Fancy. Yeah. Cause there wasn't a lot of people there because it was a very unpopular <laughs> choice. So like, yeah, beds were opening up left and right there because right. people had come to their senses then. So what did what was your day to day? What did you do all day there? Ceramics. That's so cool though. <laughs> ceramics is like so relaxing. I love ceramics. It's like that greenware that you buy and then you just polish off the the, the, the edges and then you kiln it and you paint it and 
There's... Yeah, everybody got a really good Christmas gift that year. <laughs> <laughs> so you did ceramics all day. Pregnant. Walked, did a lot of walks. Lots of walks. Sounds like right now, during the yeah during Corona COVID times. Here. Yeah. Um, except we don't have a wheel to do ceramics, so. Okay, so you're doing ceramics, and then, I mean, did you have any friends there? Or did you have anybody you liked more than others, or? Yeah, and it was weird. I was thinking about that the other day. There was this girl there named Sylvia. And I can't remember anybody's last name, but maybe we just didn't talk about that, you know, or, or maybe just didn't matter because you weren't going to know each other that long anyway. I remember a girl named Sylvia, and she came out to visit me after I moved back, or, yeah, moved back to Colorado. Where did she, where was she from? Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. She came all the way out here visit? Yeah, to visit. So and did she have a baby before you or no? Oh, right around the same time. Oh, cool. Because, like, you were only there for, like, four or five months or something, so, like... That's still a while. It was quick friendships, you know? Right. But it's such an intense, like... Yeah, everybody's you know, in the same boat. Everybody's in the same... Not like, really the same boat, actually. There was a lot of different circumstances. How so? You know, like... How people had got there, did you know? I remember one girl went home, and just never came back. They just decided she was going to live with her boyfriend and their trailer and oh, wow. tail so it out of there. there. So she totally changed her mind. Well, I guess which people, rightly so, right? Prerogative, right? So what was the? Uh... Some people were older. Most there was a lot of very young girls there, right? For which is odd too, because of the statistics I look at there. It's like. The average age of a relinquisher is like in their 20s. But that wasn't what was represented there. You thought it was younger? Yeah, way younger. Oh, like what's the youngest? Do you remember? I think there was a girl in there that was like 15. Oh, man. That's crazy. That was really crazy. Wow. So what was the attitude of, or I don't know if you would say like doctrinization of the people who were running the facility or like what was their attitude towards i guess adoption or oh totally pro-adoption like there was never discussions of any other option yeah yeah totally like i can see why the baby farm yeah That's so i can crazy. see why some people are bitter at that industry right well and i think there's like a totally different face for everybody involved right so it's it was even like named something else for the face that was presented to my parents right so yeah which was so weird too when i went back to look because i always had their 1-800 phone number like i could call and update like when i moved when i changed my name right you know i had that number forever and ever and i just called it like a couple of weeks ago and it was disconnected that's crazy. And the name of the place wasn't the same name of the place it is now. So it's like, you kind of wonder, right. like, why did I have to have so many different names? Like, why do you got to keep rebanding yourself and re- getting rid of your own 800 phone number? That's true. <laughs> you think you'd keep some of those Like, same... seriously. Yeah. If I didn't have the internet, how, how would I ever have searched that out? Like, how would I ever have found that well, since that wouldn't. was my only lifeline to it was this 1-800 phone number? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. Um... Okay, so you're in San Antonio... And you finally go into labor. How did, how, what was that like? So that was wild because first I lost my plug. That was like the night of the 1st of February. And so I didn't know what that was, but you lose like this mucus plug before you give birth. So that meant I was, you know, going. Right. Just had to start waiting for the contractions to come. So they took me to the hospital. Don't remember the name of the hospital. And... They gave you scopolamine at that point, which is like a, it's kind of like a painkiller, but it's also meant so that you forget. 
So that was something they regularly gave us there. It was like, they just didn't want you to remember anything about the birth process itself. I just remember like wanting to like get in a crouching position because it just seems so unnatural to lay there because it's gravity's not working with you. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I just remember it being incredibly painful. I remember them having to use forceps to get you out because it was like, not a natural process for me right there. Right. And I pretty, I have a large head. <laughs> and you weighed nine pounds and two ounces. Yeah. That I was very proud of though. If I wanted to have her have a good start in her life, you know. Big but it was baby. also, it was almost like too, it was like I didn't want to release her because that was going to be the end. Right. So you have, I'm born, right? And you said mm-hmm. it took how many hours? I want to say from maybe of active labor, like 12 or so, like 10 okay. o'clock till 10 in the morning. So born February 2nd. Groundhog's Day. Yeah. That's great. Um, and then what happens after that, right? So, you're so in you the stayed hospital. in the hospital for three days back then. Like even with a vaginal birth, you stayed in the hospital for three days. That's crazy, yeah. So they would bring me in, you know, bring you in to see me. Mm-hmm. I took some pictures. My mom actually flew down. Oh, she did? To, yeah, see. Okay. So what did your, she came down, but she didn't, wasn't there in time for the birth, I'm guessing. Mm-mm. Okay. So she just wanted to check on you? Uh, I don't know. Maybe she just wanted to see you. I I would imagine it's like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Checking on me wasn't, uh, no. <laughs> no. That wasn't a priority for them. Okay. So you're all going to come down to visit me at Christmas and then all of a sudden nobody could come and, you oh, know. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah. So. yeah. Happy yeah. holidays. Yeah, maybe it was too weird to go down. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah. Well, they just weren't very supportive. Let's just put it that way. Right. So... Okay, your mom comes, and then did you leave with her? Like, is that when you, like, go back to the... No, so then I went back to the place, and this gets really blurry here, because I don't... I remember being back at the place, but I don't remember, like, if you had to wait a certain amount of days before you signed that paper. I don't remember that. Right. Okay, so then eventually you do that. We don't know. And then you, did you just, like, ride a bus home? And then I I flew back home. Not with my mom, though. She left, like... Yeah, before me. Yeah. So were you excited to go back home? Or you were just like, oh, fuck no. It was just a weird thing. Yeah, it's totally like, weird. Really. I'm going to go back home with nothing here. Right. What an experience. Yeah. So I know your parents got you on Valentine's Day. Right. But... Like, how how did they explain this to you? Like, how did they tell you about adoption? Yeah, so I don't, I I think it's funny because I don't ever remember not knowing that I was adopted, but I don't know or remember like a specific jarring memory where they're like, you're adopted. So I think it was just reinforced, I guess, um, as a child to the point where it was just like, there was no specific. It just was um, normalized. Totally. Um, I had a book that kind of like went over, I don't know, I guess parents adopting kids, but which caused reproductive um, questions. questions for me. Yeah, because there was definitely like an illustration in the book, and I still remember this. I'm sure I have the book somewhere um, of a kid or kids in like a gumball machine, and then like parents getting the kids out of the gumball. So that oh raised many. So while I, yes, the mission was accomplished of, you know, me realizing that I was adopted, I, the reproductive 
situation <laughs> became very confusing to me. So yeah, I always knew. Um, obviously, my middle brother David is from Korea. He's a trans. What do they call it? Trans- Transracial. Yeah, transracial adoption. Um, so that was always like super obvious and. But, I mean, as a kid, like, before I knew what being adopted was, I didn't know that he wasn't my brother. I just thought he was. I don't know. Because when you grow up with something like that, it just is normalized to you, yeah. right? Even though he doesn't look like us, hypothetically. But, um, or not hypothetically, definitely doesn't look like yeah, us. But, literally. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know that there was anything different than that, because that's the only thing I'd ever known. Right, so. that you were normal. Yeah, so, kind of always knew. Um, don't remember not knowing. So uh, I graduated high school um, in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is where I kind of consider myself to be from because that's where my family spent the largest chunk of time after my dad got out of the military. And I just generally like it there. Um, After high school, I went down to Phoenix to play basketball at a community college. Didn't love it. And then I ended up going back to um, NAU in Flagstaff and um, did some school there. While I was in college, um, 9-11 happened. So um, I wanted to join the Army like the day after 9-11, but I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was dumb and young and listened to her and didn't do it. So then like a year later, we broke up, and I was like, I'm going to join the Army and do whatever I want, right? So I joined the Army during, you know, right before war. Not the best, you know, decision. That had to be hard. Yeah, so did that. Um, went to basic training in January in Missouri. Which How did is, your parents feel about you going to war? Uh, well, I would say initially my dad was like super happy that I was joining the military in general because he's military. all about, yeah, military guy. Um, my mom didn't want me to I go, can but she's not going to say anything, right? But she would definitely like cry when I went to basic training. And oh my like, God, yeah. I would have been a nutcase if I would known yeah. you at that time. Yep, so... There probably would have been a kidnapping. <laughs> or, like, me going AWOL because you've tied me up somewhere. That's funny. And then I go to the brig. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, anyway, yeah. So, I go to basic training, and then I come back. My parents decide to move to Chicago in the meantime. Um, and so, I'm like, oh, cool. But I had already decided to transfer to UNLV in Vegas because my brother lived there, and it was an easy move and whatever. So... Came back from basic training, moved to Vegas, started playing rugby there, um, went to a semester, and then I got a piece of certified mail, and then they kept trying to, like, deliver this mail, and I never was there to, like, receive it. Anyway, I finally get the letter, and it's like, oh, you're late to go to Iraq, right? So I ended up hooking up with my unit, and I go to Iraq. So I'm in Iraq, and I, I guess you just start to contemplate, like, what would I have done differently, or what would I do if my time on this earth is limited, right? So I was like, I really have always been curious about trying to find my birth parents or just kind of, I don't know, finding out any information, right? Because I didn't have any information. So I I don't even remember how I got the paperwork, but I found where I had been adopted from and you had to basically print out some paperwork and mail your paperwork in and if you had also done that in that circumstance, they would link us together, right? Or they would help facilitate some kind of communication. That's how I understood it. I always understood it to be that way as well, but I'm starting to think it's a suspect. 
just because <laughs> the number's gone. <laughs> yeah, I have no other way to get a hold of you now. Like, right. uh, do they really have a file on me? I, I and in this, in this boredom of COVID, I thought about <laughs> exploring this more. <laughs> right. But I thought, you know, should I write them and say, you know, I'm really trying to get a hold of my daughter, you just know, to and, and just just to see what they'd say. <laughs> just to see what they'd say. Well, there's always next week. We're still in lockdown. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. So yeah, so I got the paperwork, I printed it out, filled it out, all that stuff, and then. I went, you get a two week break when you're deployed for like a year. So it was my turn to like go home and have my vacation and then go back. So the day before I came back, um, they called my parents' house, like the family readiness group, which is like the mothers and girlfriends of the soldiers like have this group. So they called to talk to my mom and they basically told her that my place that I was living in in Iraq burnt to the ground. So... Uh, the paperwork also burnt to the ground, hence I never mailed in the paperwork. And then after that, I would say, I mean, years later, I was, just, I was what, 24 when I came back from Iraq? So when, at a point when I was already married to Steph, so we got married, I think I was like 30. So maybe like five years ago, I printed out the same paperwork again, three to five years ago. And I meant to like mail it in because occasionally we would talk about it me and stuff and she'd be like oh you should really do that you should try and then, uh-huh. um i'd print it out and never mail it in so it never got mailed in and i never was able to find out if they were lying about contacting <laughs> you thanks for tuning in to episode one of how i met my mom so on the next episode we'll talk a little bit about how a dna test exposed our lives, our family secrets.